The following is produced by Artisan Church. Welcome to the Artisan Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. To learn more about Artisan Church or to support the ministry, visit www.artisanchurch.com. So we'll do some different prayers uh, each week, and uh, I'm excited about the, the way that that will shape our community in the coming months and years. So today, we are um, <clears throat> starting something new, and I will get to that. But first, I have a little bit of a confession to make. Um, it's not, not sorted, but maybe slightly embarrassing, that I'm a little bit of a, a board game nerd. Now, I don't mean crappy board games like Monopoly. I mean like nerdy board games, like the ones made in Europe, right? You can, you, like you can imagine some, well, you know, the game nights, right? I've never been to one. So I brought one of them today. This is one of my favorite games. It's called Wise and Otherwise. Anybody ever play this game? Yeah, okay, I see one, one head shaking, and that's good. So Wise and Otherwise is a game that's a little bit like Balderdash, where you try to write something and convince somebody that this is the real one, right? With Balderdash, it's defining words. With Wise and Otherwise, it is... We're not going to play the game, don't worry. Um, but with Wise and Otherwise, the purpose of this game is to complete an ancient wisdom saying from a certain culture. And everybody writes down an answer... They'll give you the first half of it, and then dot, 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 and everybody writes down their answer, and then somebody impartially reads them aloud, and you all vote on what, which one is the real one, and of course, one of them is the real one, and you get points if you can convince people that it's yours, that that kind of thing. So, here are just a few examples, okay? So, there's an old Welsh saying, there is no sea without dot, dot, dot. A place beyond it? Did you just say a place beyond it? Because that's actually the answer. Okay. Yo, you were giving a good one. Waves. Sure. That would be a great wisdom saying. I would have voted for that one. There's an old Slovakian saying. He straightened out like a dot, dot, dot. There's an old Maltese saying. Where your eye looks dot, dot, dot. There are others, actually, is the, is the completion of that one. Um, there's an old Persian saying. If he'd had some water dot, dot, dot. And then there's an old Swedish saying, don't throw away the bucket until dot, dot, dot. You want to know the real one for that? Okay, there's an old Swedish saying, don't throw away the bucket, don't throw away the old bucket until you know whether the new one holds water. Uh, See, very wise, very, very wise. Um, so this game is a lot of fun. Wise and otherwise. I'm going to put it away. Maybe if anybody wants to play it after the service, you can borrow it. Um, but nobody will, so that's okay. But <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, podcast people. I just coughed in your ear. Um, one of the reasons I like this game is that because it, in order to be successful at it, you have to think about language and culture and all that stuff. And I, I, I like those things. You know that about me, right? That I like words and, and culture and things like that. I also like wisdom sayings, and 
One of the things about the English language is that our wisdom sayings are not all that interesting. So I like, I like these other ones. So today we are starting a two-week, very brief two-week series in the book of Proverbs, which is, as you probably know, the book that contains the wisdom sayings of the Bible. And I love this book of the Bible, Proverbs, for the same reason that I love this board game, Wise and Otherwise, because of language and culture and wisdom. And most of all, I love it because you get to apply language and culture and wisdom sayings to the most important thing in our life, which is our faith in God and how we understand the world that God made. And you might say, and I, I have said in the title of this series, that the book of Proverbs contains extraordinary wisdom about what it means to live a healthy, rich, fulfilling, God-centered life. But the book of Proverbs is uh, it's a unique type of religious writing, and it can sometimes be difficult to understand. And again, it's for the same reasons that I like it, that make it that it's those reasons that make it difficult to understand. The language can be tricky. Um, we're, we're dealing with the language of Hebrew, and the Hebrew language works backwards from how English works. I mean, literally, it writes the other direction, but also, it just, the, the way they think about things is different from how uh, the English language tends to describe them. The metaphors that they use are awkward and weird sometimes. Um, I'll give you one example. Uh, there's a proverb in, in, there's a Hebrew proverb in the book of, in the book of Proverbs that says, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who lacks sense. That's not the type of thing that we would probably say in English usually. Um, you can get yourself smacked saying that sort of thing. But the, the metaphors work a little differently. And the culture of, of ancient Hebrew culture is very different from contemporary American culture, obviously. That goes without saying, but it's, it's patriarchal as an example. And so the book of Proverbs seems to talk a lot about how women can tempt men to wrongdoing. It doesn't talk as much about how men can tempt women to wrongdoing. Um, but that's a, it's a product of its culture and its time. And it even, at times, can contradict itself. Take this example. You don't have to look this up. But Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. Now, if you know anything about math you know that four and five are right next to each other. This is what they say, and I am not skipping any words at all. Do not answer fools according to their folly, or you will be a fool yourself. Answer fools according to their folly, or they will be wise in their own eyes. Okay. <laughs> Which is it? But actually, that shouldn't surprise us with, with wisdom sayings, should it? Uh, let me give you something in English. Too many cooks spoil the broth. Anybody heard that? Put your hand up if you heard that. Okay, every hand in the room. Many hands make light work. Have you ever heard that? Which is it? Oh, not in a kitchen. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Right, thank you for ruining my analogy. Great. <laughs> but so there are some guidelines that today I want to give you for reading this particular book of the Bible. This wonderful, funny, mysterious book of Proverbs. And uh, I'll get to that in a minute. But first what I want to do is read the first few verses of this book. 
And I'd ask you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. If you would like to use the red Bibles that are located near your seat, you can look on page 509. But the prologue of this book, the first seven verses, tell us what the purpose of the book is. This book is very kind to us, and it states from the beginning why it exists. Very helpful. So here's why the book of Proverbs exists. First of all, it's called the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For learning about wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for gaining instruction in wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity, to teach shrewdness to the simple, knowledge and prudence to the young, let the wise also hear and gain in learning, and the discerning acquire skill, to understand a proverb and a figure, a metaphor, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's what the book is for, to teach us wisdom. And what follows in the next 31 chapters is all different kinds of wisdom. Wisdom about hard work. Wisdom about money. Wisdom about sex. Wisdom about good decision-making. Wisdom about wisdom. And lots of other things. And it tends to take a bunch of different forms. You get some that are exhortations that simply say, in one form or another, and sometimes with less subtlety, don't be stupid. (laughs) Sometimes it's just wise sayings, observations about the world. And sometimes it takes the form of an if-then statement. You know an if-then statement? You remember that from grammar school? It doesn't always say those exact words, if, X, then, Y. But there's a lot of the Proverbs that have this, this kind of formulation where they say, here's one thing, and if you do this, the following will happen. And it's that last kind, those if-then Proverbs, that I want to spend a little time on this morning. The ones that attach specific consequences to specific behaviors. Okay, is that clear? These are the Proverbs that attach specific consequences to specific behaviors. And these can be sometimes really troubling if you're not careful how you read them. They're very easy to misinterpret. Um, Let's look at just a few of them. Maybe maybe we'll see what I'm talking about here. So the first one I'll look at is Proverbs 15, 6. All right, the page number's on there if you want to read these along, but I will read them aloud also. Here's a proverb that takes... It doesn't say if and then exactly, but it's an if-then statement. Ready? Proverbs fifteen six. In the house of the righteous, there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. Proverbs seems to say that if you are righteous, you will have financial advantage. Here's another one. Um, just a page over. Um, Proverbs sixteen three. This one's a little more spiritual, straight up. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Dear Lord, please bless this new Wegmans parking lot. I commit it to you, and it will be established. That's, you know, as an example. And here's one of the most famous verses in Proverbs, Proverbs 22.6. 
I bet that most of you, even if you've never been in church, have heard something like this at some time or another. And our, um, our non-specific gendered translation says, says it one way that you may not recognize, but I'll say it the other way too. Uh, 22.6, train children in the right way, and when old, they will not stray. That one actually rhymes in English, which is just luck. Um, you may have heard it, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it, which of course doesn't mean it only applies to boys, um, but sometimes we might hear that way, which is why our translation has done it the way you heard it a minute ago. Train children in the right way, and when old, they will not stray. The problem with some of these proverbs, these if-then statements from the Bible, is that sometimes they don't come true. Did I just say that the Bible isn't true? Well, not quite. I said that sometimes certain parts of the Bible don't come true. And that may be jarring to those of us who were raised with the doctrine that you can believe the Word of God, which, as I will say in a minute, I, I still think is true. But I don't actually think any of you will disagree with the fact that some of these don't come true. Let's look at the ones we, let's talk about the ones we just looked at. Does anybody in the room know a righteous person who is not wealthy? Show of hands. Okay, I see a number of hands. Does anybody in the room know a wicked person who is wealthy? <laughs> Those one percenters, right? <laughs> have you ever, anybody in the room, have you ever committed your work to the Lord and seen it not prosper? Yes, I see some hands. This is a little bit more touchy for people. Um, we might ask Pastor Brian Rathbun from Crossbridge how he feels about that this past month. As the former pastor of a failed church plant that failed much more quickly, <laughs> um, <laughs> I know how it feels. Uh, and I, certainly I wouldn't say that Crossbridge was a failure in any sense. Uh, but as a, as a great example, I, am, I can imagine that the people who are involved with that might feel like this proverb did not ultimately come true. Those of you who've raised children, have you ever had a moment where you thought, I trained this child in the way that he or she should go, and, <laughs> and at eight years old, <laughs> he's already departing from it. <laughs> You're not old. Your kids aren't old enough to, the jury's still out for your kids and mine, Shane. Uh, some, of the, uh, some of you old Nicks in the room have grown children, and you may have this may be very difficult to think about even. Um, certainly we all know people who've had children who went through very difficult times who, who you might say had strayed. And yet they didn't, they had they'd done everything they could to raise the kids the right way. And this can be really painful, this kind of thing, can it? When we put our trust in the Bible and, and it doesn't come to fruition... That can be crushing to our faith, can't it? So I hope that what I'm about to say in the next few minutes might be of some help 
and maybe even some comfort for those times. Now, if you're going through something really difficult right now and you're struggling with how you thought that you had done the right thing in the eyes of God and in consistent obedience to the Scriptures, this might be cold comfort to you, but I hope that it might be helpful in the future. The help that I would offer lies in understanding what Proverbs is and isn't. Proverbs, capital P, what the book of Proverbs is and what it isn't. And let me start with what I think it is. And I'll say it like this. The book of Proverbs contains wise, godly advice for ordinary life. That's, That's where the title of our series comes from. Extraordinary Wisdom for Ordinary Life. The book of Proverbs contains wise, godly advice for ordinary life. What do I mean by ordinary life? Well, I actually have a visualization of this that might be helpful for some of you. Now, this is going to look a little bit like math, but I promise that's just an optical illusion. Um, we will not mention x-axis and y-axis or any of that. I just want you to look at this curve here. And if you're listening online, it's a, it's a bell curve. Or if you're a math nerd, it's a Gaussian curve. Am I right, math nerds? I'm not. I looked it up on Wikipedia. It's a bell curve. Let's go with that. This curve explains the way the world works as the book of Proverbs sees it. Let me explain. I call this curve the normal curve of human experience. Okay? Now, along the bottom, we shall not say the letter X, is what I would call the level of tragedy in your life. And along the top, in the vertical axis, is the likelihood of occurrence. All right? So have a good think here on what this, what this means. The, the very minimal tragedy at the left end and the very maximal tragedy at the right end are less likely to occur. Does that make sense? Is this helping you even if you're not a math nerd right now? At least, maybe it's not helping. Do you at least get what I'm saying? Uh, maybe an example will help. So, my son uh, is not in the room, so I can say whatever I want about him. Uh, he's almost eight, and he likes to do, uh, as every other eight-year-old boy in the history of humankind, he likes to do stupid things, including climbing up into trees too high for eight-year-olds. Now, if I saw my son climbing up into a tree, purely hypothetical here, um, and he was too high and out on a limb that was, eh, I might say to him, Abel, get down out of that tree or you're going to fall and break your leg. Now, if Abel were to fall out of a tree, breaking his leg is probably in the fat part of that curve. It's fair to say, and mostly truthful and accurate to say, If you fall out of that tree, you're going to break your leg. Might very well happen. You know what else might happen? We'll get the nastiness out of the way. On the narrow part of the curve at the end, he might break his neck. He might die falling out of a tree. On the equally unlikely, but much more palatable end of the curve, he might fall out of the tree and have nothing at all happen to him by sheer, stupid, eight-year-old luck. 
But both of those results are unlikely. The more likely result is that he's going to break something. And that kind of curve, that normal curve of human experience, is true for all areas of life, all kinds of things. It's true for crossing the road without looking both ways. I saw some guy bike across a crosswalk just yesterday, and a car came down around the curve, and it was, it was seconds away. <laughs> Maybe he would have broken a leg. Maybe something else would have happened. It's true for going into construction zone without a hard hat. It's true for careless sexual encounters. It's, care, it's, it's true for spending money on junk you don't need. It's true for talking to your spouse or your children or your parents in, in ways that are disrespectful and unloving. All of these things have a, a normal curve of consequence that they will follow. The fat part in between and the narrow parts on either end of the tragedy axis. See, I happen to believe that there is a certain degree of randomness in the universe. And there are consequences to living in a world that both offers us meaningful free will and also is broken and under spiritual attack. We live in a world that both offers us meaningful free will and is under spiritual attack. Some of you might quibble with one or both of those things, but that's the way I see it, and I believe that's the way the Bible describes it. The consequences of living in a world that has free will and is under spiritual attack is that sometimes things turn to ashes and it's not your fault. You can live your life in perfect harmony with the wisdom of the book of Proverbs, and most of the time it will work out well, but not always. You can live your life foolishly and in utter opposition to the wisdom of the book of Proverbs, and most of the time it will lead to endless problems, but not always. And if you simply keep that reality in mind, it can be helpful in understanding life's challenges when they come along. It can help you cope with the dissonance that you see between what the Bible says and what you believe God has called you to do and what actually happens when they, when they don't necessarily line up. Now, let me give you one caveat here, one caution you should not assume that you are one of the exceptions <laughs> or that you're going to be one of the exceptions. Just because I have said that sometimes you can get away with stuff doesn't mean you should expect to. <laughs> and the flip side of that is just because you happen to be getting away with something, don't read that backwards into your life and assume the blessing of God. <laughs> That's the warning. So what I'm getting at with today's message is that there are risks to reading the book of Proverbs without understanding what they are intended to be and what they're not intended to be. Remember, this is what they're intended to be. The book of Proverbs contains wise, godly advice for ordinary life, 
The book of Proverbs speaks to the fat part of that bell curve. Let me tell you what I think some of the risks are uh, of reading Proverbs without that proper understanding. The first one is the one that we've been talking about and hinting at for the past few minutes is that you perceive a promise that is not there. How do you spell the word promise? P-R-O, and that's where the similarities stop. (laughs) It's the book of Proverbs, not the book of promises. Can you count on it? Yes. Almost all the time. (laughs) Is it a promise? No. So that's that's the first and most obvious risk, that you perceive a promise where one has not been given. The second risk is that you might be tempted to pass a judgment on somebody else that isn't justified. Man, I have seen this happen so many times, and I, I, I wish I could say that I, I, I don't think you have, but I think you have. Let's talk about that one about raising children and the way they should go. Those of you who grew up in the church, did you ever encounter a moment where there was a child who went astray and someone quoted this proverb and used it as proof that the parents had done something wrong in raising the child. I'm seeing a lot of grim nodding. I don't want to strain to be too contemporary here, but was that not the first thing out of almost everybody's mouth a couple weeks ago when that video broke of the kids on the school bus? Those parents... I tell you, parents today, maybe, might be safe even to say probably, but that's not necessarily the problem. And so you cannot and must not use the wisdom of the book of Proverbs as a basis for passing judgment on somebody. Maybe, maybe somebody's going through the falling out of the tree and breaking their neck moment. You can't say that because they had a worse injury than breaking their arm that they did something wrong. It's not fair. Because you've all had those skinny parts of the curve in your life too. So important to remember that somebody else might be experiencing the skinny part of the curve today. And they're, they're, they're experiencing unlikely results that defy probability and they, they turn their good efforts to ashes, and it's not their fault. And here's the, the last risk, and I think that ultimately, in the long run, this is the most saddening and, and dangerous risk. And the, the risk is this, that you might lose trust in the Bible as a whole, Something that's reliable and trustworthy and a suitable foundation for your life. And that's why I, sp- I wanted to spend so much time today basically just laying the foundation for this book of Proverbs. Because I want you to know what it is and what it isn't. 
Because the truth is that there are promises in the Bible. I've told you that I don't think the book of Proverbs contains promises, but there are other places in the Bible that do. And you can place your entire trust in them and expect 100% results. 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, to me, sounds like a promise and one that I would invite you to place all of your trust in. It would be such a shame if you read the book of Proverbs and expected the same consistent results, and when you didn't see them, you would suddenly look at a verse like 1 John 1, 9 and say, well, same book, whatever. That would be a real tragedy to me. Let me say that I think the Bible, all of it, is beautiful and ultimately trustworthy. But you do have to know how to read it. And uh, there's a certain level of responsibility and effort required. (laughs) Now next week, we're going to go a little deeper into Proverbs. We're going to read a lot more of the Proverbs. Um, We're going to spend some time talking about some of the themes that are raised in the book of Proverbs. And, and I'm looking forward to that. Like I said, I love this book. There's lots of great stuff in it. But I, didn't, I, I just could not see my way to starting right in without having this, this uh, groundwork laid. So um, let's pray. God, you who are the author of our faith and of our holy text, we give you thanks for your presence and wisdom that comes through the pages of the Bible. We are grateful for the Word. And we pray, O Lord, that even as we read the admonition toward wisdom that's contained in the book of Proverbs, that you would give us the wisdom to understand how this book was written what it purports to be, what it doesn't purport to be. How it fits into the beautiful library that is the entirety of Scripture. May we always live in obedience and submission to your word. And most of all, to Jesus, your Son, our Lord. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. The ultimate promise of our salvation uh, is hinted at and prefigured in the book of Proverbs. We'll talk a little bit about that next week. But it came to its greatest expression uh, on the cross. And the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the highest moment in the history of the world. And it's that moment that we celebrate and reenact every week when we come together to worship him uh, at the table. And so while we continue to worship through song this morning, I want to invite those of you who are seeking to follow Jesus in this place today to come to this table to receive the bread and the wine or the juice as the body and blood of Christ, as spiritual food, food for a hungry soul, strength for a weary body.
do it in remembrance of Christ. Do it as an act of unity with each other and with our brothers and sisters worshiping all over Rochester, all around the world, and as I'm fond of saying, actually all throughout time too. This sacrament is offered to you. May it be for you his body and his blood. And let's continue to worship him together.